Hey, Coach Arlen here. What do Walt Disney, Andrew Carnegie, Benjamin Franklin, Thomas Edison, and FDR all have in common? They shared one secret that propelled them to achieve remarkable success. They each belonged to a mastermind group. If you've never experienced the power of a mastermind group, now is your opportunity. Join my business success mastermind group today. New cohorts are starting soon. To learn more, go to ib4e-coaching.com forward slash mastermind. Courage to Lead, episode 225. You're listening to the IB4E Coaching Podcast. Brought to you by IB4E Coaching, business coaching for executives, entrepreneurs, and small business professionals. Learn more at ib4e-coaching.com. Hey, Coach Arlen here. Welcome back to the podcast. Hope you guys are having a phenomenal week. I'm having a great week and I'm excited to introduce you to my guest today. Please help me welcome Liz Wolf. Liz Wolf is a business coach, author, and speaker who coaches entrepreneurs to get unstuck so they can launch and grow an abundant business. Liz got her entrepreneurial start growing up on a sheep farm in Western Pennsylvania with her mother and two sisters. Later, she moved to New York City where she created a successful computer consulting business with her husband, John. Eventually, she transitioned out of the technology business to coach business owners to develop an abundance mindset. Liz recently published a book, The Power of Asking, How Your Reluctance to Ask Puts Your Business at Risk. Liz says that one of her greatest accomplishments is staying married to her husband for 25 years while running a business with him. Always eager to get in front of a crowd, Liz also plays the ukulele and is half of the singing duo, Eucalicious. Liz, welcome to the program. Thank you so much. Really, really. Oh, how long have yeah? How long have you been playing ukulele? Actually, that's a, a, probably about nine years now, and um, it's it's part of my. It's a it's a metaphor that I use sometimes when I'm working with my coaching clients because. First, I didn't play anything. And then someone said, why don't you try this? And I started the ukulele. And then I got involved with playing the ukulele. And I've now graduated. I now play the guitar as well. And um, I consider myself a ukulele evangelist. I will show anybody, anywhere, anytime how to play the ukulele. Awesome. Yeah, I've got a good friend that uh, he picked it up and he he loves it. He plays it all the time. So so Dale, if you're listening, you've got another uh, kindred spirit here. Very good. Very cool. And I've listened to some of your songs out there on your website. Oh, thanks. You guys have some good harmonies. Yeah, very good. Yeah. A lot of fun. Talk about courage. That's awesome. All right. We're going to come back and talk about all kinds of cool stuff like that, uh, but also how you got your start, how you got to where you are now, and who you work with, things like that. But before we get started, I've got some questions that I like to ask each one of my guests. Okay. These are questions made famous on the TV show Inside the Actor Studio, where the host James Lipton asked these same questions of his guests from Hollywood TV, film, and stage. And I figure if they're good enough for the Hollywood elite, they're certainly good enough for my guests. So Liz, are you ready? 10 questions for you. All right. Question number one, what is your favorite word? My favorite word is empowerment. That is my favorite word. Do you want me to elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah, Yeah, if you want to, sure. Yeah, I... It's empowerment because I feel that so many times people don't take action because they don't feel empowered to do Mm. that. And so that's my whole mission in life. Like the ukulele, people are like, oh, I don't do any music or I'm not musical. And I'm like, I will show you how musical you are. And before you know it, they're strumming away and it's so much fun. So let's get empowered. Okay. 
Very good. All right. What is your least favorite word? My least favorite word would be victim. And, or actually, let me change that slightly. Circumstance, meaning mm. we feel that we're a victim of our circumstances. And the biggest reason that people don't take action in their life is because they think they've got all these circumstances that get in their way. And I know you're all more powerful than that. Absolutely. Very good. All right. What turns you on? What turns me on is music, for sure. Uh, that's the first thing that comes to mind. I love, it goes with the empowerment thing, but the, the part where community comes through music, that's really one of my most favorite things. Nice. All right. What turns you off? What turns me off is people who are so opinionated that they're not stopping to hear the other point of view, people that are so positional. positional. And then sometimes I even watch myself doing it. And I wonder, why is that so important to me? What is it that's causing me to have that, to be so right about that? And then I yeah. try to let it go. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, question five, what sound or noise do you love? I love the sounds of musical instruments playing together. Okay, it's getting repetitive. Uh, so I played bluegrass, which is not a ukulele instrument, but I played bluegrass. And there's harmonies when we're together in harmony. And I hear people singing around me. It's really, really elevating and uplifting. Nice. All right. What sound or noise do you hate? Um, okay. I'm going to tell my husband a little bit. I hate his like... You know, when he's eating and he's crunching or whatever, and he eats so fast that it just like all goes in his mouth. Could we just please not have that experience? So I sit on the other side of the table from him because it's a little too loud and a little too fast. That's funny. I grew up with three brothers. So mealtime, you, you get it while you can. Oh, yeah. All right. Question seven. What is your favorite curse word? My favorite curse word would be a, a word that you would find a lot of in a barn, which I grew up with, called manure and other words. And, um, and I have a quick story, which is my son once looked out of the window when he was about four and he said, it's raining. And I was like, mm, okay, maybe I say that a little too much. So I learned my lesson then. <laughs> my daughter did the same thing to me. Absolutely. All right. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Well, it's interesting that you ask that question. I've thought about a few different things that are somewhat related to the work that I do. Like, what would it be like to be a psychotherapist or um, a professor at a university or even something like a minister or something where I get continue to work with people and in that learning teaching environment? Nice. All right. What profession would you not like to do? I would not like to go back to bailing hay. That is not something <laughs> that I would like to go back to doing. I always tell people, you think you're working hard. I'm going to send you out on a 90 degree day and pick up bales of hay and put them in a wagon. Then you will know what hard work is. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Final question. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Well, I would like it if she would say to me, Liz, look at the impact that you've made in your life. Look at the people that you've empowered. Look at how that ripple effect has gone on 
And by the way, the Bluegrass Jam is on Tuesdays and Fridays. <laughs> Did you bring your guitar? Good then- job. Very cool. Very cool. All right. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to talk about how you got your start, how you got to where you are now, who you work with and how you help them, some of the things you're seeing with the people you're working with, and at some point transition into courage and leadership. All right. So listeners, we're going to talk about all that and more right after this. So stick with us. Imagine having a trusted group of CEOs at your disposal. Imagine having your very own peer advisory team who could work you through the problems and questions in your business before you had to make those difficult decisions. Imagine you had a group of advisors that had your back and met for the sole purpose of making you successful in your business. What would you be able to accomplish then? Well, you don't have to imagine anymore. You can have that and more when you join my Business Success Mastermind Group. Join my Business Success Mastermind Group today. Learn more at ib4e-coaching.com forward slash mastermind. And I'm back with my guest, Liz Wolf. Liz, thanks again for agreeing to to be on the podcast. This is awesome. So growing up on the farm. Yes. Did you know what you wanted to be? Did you have any idea that you wanted to be a, a business coach or what did you want to do? No, absolutely not. I wanted to be the first woman president of the United States. Awesome. And sadly, I am now in my 50s. and There's still, there's still time. There's still, there's still time. time. <laughs> That's true. Uh, no, I didn't think about business coaching at all. However, I did have a sense of wanting to feel like the work that I was doing was having an impact. And I, it's probably where the women president came from like what's the most impact you can have is you can be president and i had no experience of women being president so yeah but now uh, as a business coach i know you you came from technology right your background tell me a little bit about that yeah the the so the trajectory went like this i lived on the farm did a lot of uh we out of necessity actually what we did was we created a cottage industry, making the spinning wool, making sheepskin products and going to festivals and selling. I said, how's the, how's the fastest, where's the fastest way I can get away from this bailing hay and all that. Um, Not to say that I didn't love many aspects of it, but I went to art college. I went to the university of Bridgeport for photography and design And when I left there, I came to New York City because I did want to be a rock star. And I ended up getting a job. Remember word perfect? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And this may surprise some of our listeners who are like, wait, what's word perfect? And why is that significant? But I will tell you that I still remember to this day, the moment I realized it could do spell check. Mm. Like what? It would spell my, check my words. And I just had a knack for it. I had a lot of a, a good knack for technology and learning programs. I could read the manual. And so I went into desktop publishing from there because that was combining what I had done with my design work with the technology. And then it turned out other people wanted to learn how to use these programs that seemed to come somewhat naturally to me. And so I started to use my personality, my training background, my performance background, um, all those years of dance classes, et cetera. And I started uh, doing training with people. 
which led me to a very specific software called Maximizer, which is a CRM software, customer relationship okay. management software. Okay. And uh, again, there was that was kind of you know, in the late 80s, early 90s, that was a new, really groundbreaking type of technology. And so I spent many years working with small businesses to help them implement those systems. Nice. And at some point, I not not that far into it, I actually convinced my husband to quit his job. And he is the one who is mostly doing the CRM. He's still doing that. And he, he works, does sales and implementation. And then eventually I moved away from the tech because I was much more interested in the interpersonal part of the consulting than I was in the tech. It was fun while it lasted, but I I moved on. Sure. And so now you're coaching. Do you have a a specific niche that you work with, certain groups? Yes. I mostly work with solopreneurs or people who have small businesses, like under five employees, who are, a lot of them are emerging entrepreneurs that just want to start. Many people come to me and say, I sold a couple of t-shirts at the PTA meeting, and now I think I can make a business out of it. Or they could be a a side hustle already that they're working, or it could even be that they just feel stuck because they've been working their business for a while. And so I help people to get unstuck so they can create a profitable business. Nice. And I know, um, looking at your LinkedIn profile, looking at your website and everything like that, you talk a lot about vision. I don't think people understand how important it is to really have that clear vision in your mind, right? Talk to me about vision. What does that mean? Yeah. You know, I had a funny idea this morning because what's funny is that when you go on, most people shop on Amazon or some online thing. What we do is we say, we look through a lot of stuff. We say, oh, I like, that looks good. Let me buy that, right? Sometimes it's a need, but sometimes you just want to buy it. And then we press buy and then we have no issue we, we don't go running to the door and saying, where's my package? Where's my package, right? We know there's going to be a, a time, a space and time between when we order it and when it comes, right? So what people struggle with, because that's very clear, that's the product, I click this, it comes in the mail. But what people struggle with is how to clarify a future vision that I actually, I So I can't guarantee that that's going to come to me. That's where we struggle. We don't want to envision. We want to predict. Mm. We want to say, well, what are my odds of that happening? And so we say, uh, well, let me dumb it down. Let me limit what to what I think I can do. And that's why I love, I call it future fantasy, future fantasy. And the funny idea I had this morning was, wouldn't it be great to have a website where you just like bought dreams, but of course it wasn't real money or anything. You just went on a website and you, and you ordered it, you put it in your cart and you were like, when would you like your delivery date for that? And you click right. on that. And then, you know, it could just be like a fun thing where you could look at other people's dreams or you could um, make your own and build your own dreams. So allowing yourself to have that future vision when you don't know when it's coming, but you have right. that confidence that it's is going to be on its way to you. I think that'd be a lot yeah. of fun. That is, that is cool because you're right. I think a lot of people maybe have the idea that they want to do something, but then they think, well, I don't know if it'll actually happen. I don't know how much work it's going to be. What are people going to think? And they just kind of talk themselves out of it. And I know I've done that to myself. I've talked myself out of things. Why not just say, here's 
what I want and here's when I want it delivered right. and then work towards it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Pretty fun. So the people you work with, is that part of the things you do with them is help them solidify that vision to know where they're going and, and uh, what other things are they dealing with? Is it, you said some people maybe have a side gig that they're already working. They want to know how to make it real and others are just toying with the idea of dipping a toe in and being an entrepreneur. Tell me how you work with them. Yeah. Well, what's interesting was that I grew up in a entrepreneurial family by necessity. My parents divorced when I was fairly young. My father was always very supportive financially, et cetera, but divorces can be financially devastating on a family. And my mother basically created this uh, entrepreneurial venture. We didn't know the word entrepreneur. We knew We knew we're getting in the, we're loading up the pickup truck, sometimes with the live sheep, by the way, and we're going to these festivals and we're selling. So I just, even though I knew that you could get a job and work for someone, I never really stuck with that. I just, yes, I had some jobs in my day. So I had that spirit coming into it, but many, many people come into their professional lives with an expectation that they're going to go get a job even if they don't want to, because they don't know how to even start a business and talk about courage takes a lot of courage to say, my idea is a good enough one that I'm going to bet some, some time and effort on sometimes money on it and get it out there in the world. And that, that can take a lot of courage. So uh, let me make sure I'm answering your question. So what was your question again? (laughs) Just the people you work with. How do you help them? What are they coming to you? You know, what are they struggling with or what are they dealing with? One thing people struggle with is they've only experienced a professional life where they have a steady income, even if they're really unhappy with that. And, you know, it's unpleasant and they don't like it. It feels constrictive to them. So I help people to get into an entrepreneurial mindset. There's some definite differences between an employee mindset and an entrepreneurial mindset. And so that's often what I do or the people that do have the ideas and maybe took a little risk, but then they might be feeling discouraged because it's not working very well or, or overwhelmed because there's so many options for them. And so help them clarify that. Well, I I like what you said. There's a huge difference between uh, being an entrepreneur and just having a job. A lot of times people will quit a job that they have and start a business where they're the only person there. Technically, that's not really a business. It's you've created another job for yourself, right? Hmm. You you can't take time off. You can't delegate because there's nobody else around. To really create that business, you have to have that bigger picture where you bring these other people in and have them do a lot of the work for you, right? Absolutely. Um, you're working with a lot of solopreneurs. Do you help them get to that next level where they actually build a team? I often do help people get to that next level, and. One of the biggest things people struggle with, the difference in the employee versus entrepreneur is when you have a job, people tell you what to do. Mm-hmm. And when you have an entrepreneur, you could do anything. And what's ironic is people say, that's what I want. I want to be able to choose what I want to do all day. I want to have time freedom. I want to be able to choose what time I'll get in and all that. But you get to that and you're like, oh, that's a little too much freedom. I don't know what to do with that. So it's almost, you have to be able to set the structure 
into your business. And one way in which, even if it's a VA or somebody that's part-time or, or even hiring like a social media manager or somebody like that, you have to be present for that person in a way that you don't have to be for yourself because it's too many choices. But when somebody says, well, what work do you want me to do? Oh, I guess I got to think about what work I got to give you, right? And yeah. then give it, give them that, yeah. Exactly. So, all right. So somebody listening to the program right now that may be considering becoming an entrepreneur, what's the best piece of advice you could give them? My, that's a, okay. That's a good question. My best piece of advice will, I'm going to say the most obvious thing in the world, which is hire a coach to help you figure out what to do. Yep. Absent that, maybe you just don't even feel ready for that because that does happen sometimes my advice would be to even if finding a mentor or accountability or start going to networking events. Mm -hmm. the, the, big, the thing all the marketing gurus tell you in the beginning is define your niche, define your niche. And then all my clients come to me and say, okay, I have to define my niche. And then nobody likes to say this, but you can't define your niche until you out there talking to people about what you're doing. It took me literally eight years to define my niche. First, mm. I was like, it's anybody. And they're like, that's not good. Okay. Then it was like, how about happy people? You know, it was just, and then I, what I noticed is the work that I was doing, the consulting work I was doing, I was attracting certain people. And right. then I began to notice the pattern. Now it's fine to identify a niche and then, pursue it and then see if that works out. There's nothing wrong mm -hmm. with that. Just be aware that it does take some development. So mm -hmm. hanging around people who are you can talk to about your idea, empowering people, not discouraging people that you could talk to about your idea and allowing it to develop creatively. Yeah. And I know on your website, you talk about not only creating the vision, but removing those, those hidden barriers. There's a lot of things that especially new entrepreneurs, they're not aware that this is even uh, a potential barrier for them, right? They don't know what they don't know. What are some of those hidden barriers? And that's another big one difference between employee entrepreneurs, that, that good old imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. It's it's nice when you get verification from your boss because they pay you and then they give you reviews once a year and they say, yeah, you're doing a pretty good job. And you're like, yay, great. But when you start to be having to, to put yourself out there, maybe because money is on the line, like you got to pay your rent and all that, you, who wants to talk to me? Who, who wants to talk? To, why would anybody care about what I have to say on this topic or selling this or do they want my product there's so much doubt that can come in right at the beginning especially in a underdeveloped idea where there's no evidence we as human beings like evidence and that's why we like to predict rather than envision because we look at our past evidence and we go well i was able to do that which means i'm probably able to do this but if i never was able to do that then i probably won't be able to do it in the future and that's misleading because you haven't tried this way in a different way. Yeah. Was I, I heard a quote. Um, was it, 
I can't remember now who it was that they were talking about, but somebody talking about the recession. I think it was Walt Disney. Um, there's a recession. And he said, why well, I, I don't like it. So I decided not to participate. Right. <laughs> Just because something is out there, right. Doesn't mean you have to buy into it. You know, yes, things are not happening for this person you're talking to. That doesn't mean that you can't make something happen. Right. You got to believe in yourself. And I think that's where everything starts. You've got to believe in yourself. Yeah. Absolutely. And I'll slip one my little pet peeves in here. It has nothing to do with deserving it or how much you're worth. I sometimes listen to apps, you know, meditation apps, and they say, mm -hmm. you know, and you, the affirmations, and they're like, they say, you know, everything I want is available. And then you repeat, everything I want is available. And, you know, and you go through the thing, and then it's like, I am worthy. And I'm like, Oh, here we are with the worthy thing. I'm just letting you know, no one ever bought anything from anyone because they sat in their living room and said, you know what? I'm going to buy something from Coach Harlan because, because he's worth, he's a he's worthy, worthy man <laughs> and he deserves it. They do not That's do that. They say, is he going to solve my problem? Because people only care about themselves. Is he going to solve yeah. my problem? So getting, let, letting go of some of these like building yourself up to things like, well, let me build up. So I feel worthy. Yeah. It's just, in my opinion, <laughs> waste of time. I did a, a webinar a few years back called, who do you think you're talking to? Because so many times businesses create these websites that all talk about themselves. Here's how long I've been in business. My granddaddy started the business. You know, <laughs> these are how many awards I've won, everything like that. None of that matters, right? Do you understand my problem and can you help me? And if so, then the rest of the things come into play. You could have two websites that both say, I can solve this problem for you. One guy just started yesterday. This guy's been in business 100 years. Probably going to go with the guy who's been in business longer. But until they know that you can actually help them, they're not interested. Yeah, the other, important. the other interesting thing about the whole imposter syndrome is that's me focusing on myself. But I'm the minute I say, well, I don't know, this person is coming to me for help or to solve their problem. And I start working on solving their problem. Now the focus isn't on me and I'm not thinking about how inadequate I am. I'm only thinking about solving your problem. And so I can let go of those, those you know, limiting conversations that will get in my way. Exactly. That little nagging voice in the back of your mind. Yeah. Well, on your website, and you have a great website, by the way. Thank like you. Your website. Um, you've got several books you've written. I do. Very cool. Congrats on that. Yeah. Your, your business vision blueprint. Yes. Power of asking. Mm -hmm. And then you've got your journals, the vision journal and the abundance journal, the photography. That's your photography in those. Yeah. It's my photography. Amazing photography. photography major. Yeah. yeah. Very, very cool. So tell me about the power of asking. Cause I think that's something you're right. If, if you don't ask, if you don't ask the answers, always no. Right? Yes, there's my there's yeah. my book for the and seeing the video. So the the formula, how should I say it? The steps to abundance are as follows. Number one, ask powerfully. Number two, give wholeheartedly. Number three, receive graciously. Mm, nice. So that is uh, something that actually that I teach in a workshop that I lead called the abundance breakthrough course. And so the, the power of asking is the first step about asking. And the, this goes back to the vision. 
when it's fine to do future fantasy, but even when you do future fantasy, I want you to think about that. I want you to get specific. And that's why the, the first book I did is the business vision blueprint. I literally want you to imagine yourself exactly how much money are you making in the future? Exactly where are you living? Exactly all of those things. Because the first step with asking powerfully is to be specific about mm -hmm. what you want. So if you say something like, yeah, I really want to make more money next year. My next immediate question is $5. You want $5? Because I could, I could get you five more dollars. I did year. that to a client of mine. He said the same thing. I just want to make more money than I did last year. So I handed him a dollar. He said, there, <laughs> we're done. We're done. Yeah, See, you got to be specific. What yeah. does that mean? Yeah. Yeah. How many more dollars do you want? And that could be true of anything. There's a lot of ways of that. The, the interesting thing about asking is why it's the most, I believe, most impactful way to get the cycle of abundance happening in your life and business is because we're often very afraid to ask for what I want. There's so many, what's the word, um, where, where there's like bad ideas uh, in the, in, out there about that we're taught about it's greedy. Yes. You know, again, here we go with the deserve it. I don't deserve yeah. it. I'm not worthy. My mother, you know, we all have our, like, I was never out loud to ask for more than one thing. Don't yeah. ask for help. I mean, it goes on and on and on and on. There's just so sure. many ways. And yet, if I don't ask for what I want, then how can I get it? This is the reason I own five, yes, five ukuleles. Because if you're going to have one ukulele, you know, there are five different types. So you need to have one of each. So, you know, when it was my birthday or Christmas or something, I said, well, how about this one? Well, how about this one? You know, and my husband, after a while, he he's like, sure. But if I don't ask specifically for what I want, how will, how will people know to give it to me? And this comes in very handy when you're selling, because this is what we do. We get to the end of a call and we go, so what do you think? Instead of. So we've just reviewed my coaching program. Would you like to work with me as your coach? When would you like to start? How would you like to pay? Yeah. Right? <laughs> right. Very specific. Yeah. And you know what? You'll find out very quickly people's commitment levels when you speak to them very Absolutely. clearly. Absolutely. Um, but I love the abundance. Uh, my wife, she taught me years ago, um, and again, mindset, working from a headspace of scarcity or headspace of abundance. When you're feeling that abundance, you make a lot different choices in your life, right? You make a lot of different decisions on that stuff. Coming from a, a headspace of scarcity, your decisions aren't quite as good and the results aren't as good. Yeah. you. It's If you follow any law of attraction type of people that are out there, most notably, I think Esther Hicks would be it's because of the vibration literally you can feel it called the energy i don't know how woo woo you want to get about it but the energy <clears throat> when i'm afraid i make different choices than yes. when i'm feeling calm and flush um <clears throat> and time has a wonderful way of of becoming more abundant when we act in a space of abundance it's it's um 
the most incredible thing. And that when you feel, you know, scarce in your business or your life, you're gonna, you're gonna feel very small, you're gonna feel very afraid, and you just can't make the same decisions with ease in that space. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, it's all about mindset. All about mindset. So let's talk about courage. Okay, yes. Um, we talk a lot about um, the courage of people find the courage to leave the nine to five to create their own success, right? Mm -hmm. uh, where do they find the courage to overcome the setbacks? the failures, the bankruptcy, the divorce, the illnesses, things like that. Mm -hmm. um, where did you find your courage to be able to step out and say, this is what I want. And this is how I want to do it. Where'd you find that courage? Mm. That's a wonderful question. I found the courage in bits and pieces along the way and built up to it. I would say I, I was, able to, there were some risky times when, for instance, there were two big risky times in my business. One is asking my husband to quit his job and come to work with me. Mm, yeah. And we weren't even married yet, actually, or we just got married, I guess, something. We were in the process of it. And he had this horrible situation where he had to work. He didn't get his bonus from the previous year until November of the mm. next year. Okay. He got half in March and half in November, which means he had to work a whole nother year. <clears throat> so we had oh. to be willing. I, I remember it was some, you know, $5,000 or something, but that was significant for a young couple to be like, okay, we're going to give up this $5,000. So we had oh. to take that step to do that. Now, part partnership helps with courage, right? Mm -hmm. And we laid in bed and I went, okay, is this the right thing to do? Well, we don't know. But I had the confidence because I was already experiencing some success. Then another moment of courage and challenge came when we worked together. We've been in business for 25 years. So for the first 10 or 15 years, I was basically working with him. And then I said, this isn't fulfilling for me anymore. I I had done some personal development trainings. I had led, done some coaching and leadership thing, you know, and was just very into the mindset aspects of it. And I was so tired of doing telephone technical support. God love every single person that ever needed it, including me, but I just couldn't do it one more time. And then making that separation where I basically said, you've got to do that on your own. Now you have to understand that my background is, my dad was a, worked for Westinghouse for 43 years. Okay. Okay. Solid guy just worked. And he had very clear expectations of my mother to be the mother of his children. And, you know, this is like 60s. So it was very housewifey and all that. And she said, no more. I'm going to do, I'm going to follow my heart. And when she followed her heart, she found, she bought this farm. I was five years old. She bought this farm wow. and she started buying sheep. The first three were so lovely out in the field by 300 sheep. <laughs> yes, 300 wow. sheep. Yeah, wow. uh, it was a different story. And my parents got divorced. So in my mind, I was risking my marriage by making mm. this decision, not just risking my that I wasn't going to make as much money because it's very easy to make money in tech. You know, it's yeah. kind of, I could teach anybody Excel anytime. 
So there was that risky part, but there was also then the starting over part. But I really, that was what was in my brain. Like I'm risking my marriage. And I will tell you that I have a, there's a lot of people in my family that are divorced. In fact, I'm one of the very few people that never got divorced. So um, everybody makes personal choices and I didn't want to make that one. So the courage came from that, uh, that, conviction though that this is what i should be doing this is really what i should be doing and anything else besides that is just playing small yeah i've been there done that i'm i've already proven that i can run do big computer rollouts and train hundreds of people like i've already done that right this is me following my path to what was felt true and right for me and it was almost not a choice i mean it was a choice but it was like i can't continue living that way so that really supported me in the courage part too that's good yeah i've had a lot of people say courage is is something you kind of build up over time i think courage is an action you have to take courage you have to go and do even if you're afraid right that's kind of the dictionary uh definition uh feeling the fear but doing it anyway that's where what courage is um but it's that courage of the un the unknown or the the not afraid to go into the unknown, you know, you have to have some idea of of what's on the other side that makes you want to get there. Um, I have one guy say, yeah, what is your, what is your goal? What is your, your vision for that future you? And then if that's big enough, you're going to be drawn towards it. So the courage comes, you know, with that. So I think all your, your work with vision and getting that clarity in mind, exactly what it is you want can give people the courage to do what they, what they really want to do or need to do to get there. Yeah. And the other thing, it goes back to what we were saying before about when I take the focus off of me and put it on that, it, it's it's not, can I do this? But how do I do this? Or what what's the next first step that I can take to do it? Yeah. Now, an example comes to mind. <clears throat> In the bluegrass community, there's all different levels. Of course, very, very good musicians. And then super, super beginners, right? And the ukulele is not a respected instrument in the bluegrass community Let's right. that way. Right. So, but I'm actually a very good singer. So uh, I hadn't learned how to play the guitar yet. And I went to this, what they call a fast jam. And the fast jam is, you know, the words, there's no music books. There's no, what key is it in? You know what it is. And there's this one that you, you go and it's, they have a mic and everything. And everybody's around the mic. It's very high, fast paced. Well, I made the, evident error of singing the same harmony line as one of the guys that ran the jam, you know, Mm. one of the pros. Yeah. And he called me out on it after the song. And I had this, like the blood just, you know, comes down my face. I'm like, Oh, it's one of the first couple of times I'd been there. And I said, you know what? I'm just going to face this thing head on. And they take breaks, you know, meaning time away Mm -hmm. from the music. And I just went right up to him and I said, Hey, sorry about jumping all over your harmony line there. And he got, he had to tell me about, you know, yeah, this is the right way to do it. And I was like, Oh, got it. Got it. And then I was like, what, um, well, what are some songs that I could learn? You know, the harmony on, we could do them together. And I, but by the end of the conversation, I got his phone number and I see him all the time now and like forgotten that conversation, but I could have done two things in that moment. I could have said, I'm not good enough. This is hard. It's embarrassing. Um, 
by the way, there's almost no women. So it's like, I'm the one woman here. Ugh, let me just go hide over here. Bartender, get me a beer. Right. Mm -hmm. And I just said, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do that. I'm like, because this is something I love and care about. And I just, I went toward it. See the difference. Nice. I like, I just said, I'm just going to do it. And I did it. Nice. Yeah, you're right. That's a choice. You can walk away or walk towards it. And if it's something you really want, you walk towards. Excellent. And it works out. Yeah. <laughs> right. You'd be surprised how much it'll work out. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what's the worst that could happen? He would say, yeah, well, don't do it again next time. Okay. I won't do it again okay. next time. Yeah. <laughs> what's the worst that could happen, right? Exactly. Um, so you're, you're a solopreneur in your coaching, right? I, well, I consider myself a partner because I have work with my husband, but yes. Okay. I, and that we do have one employee. Do you? Okay. And then in the other technology areas, you had employees working for you? Oh, yes. We had as many as six employees at one point. Things have changed because they used to be, you had to physically go on site to help people. Mm -hmm. Even in the 2000s, right? And now everything's online. So with Zoom and everything, you don't have to go anywhere. So it's a lot yeah. easier to to take care of stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. So if I was to bump into any of these uh, previous employees or employees you have now, bump into any of them and ask them about your leadership style, what do you think they tell me? What kind of leader are you? Well, I'll skip past the woman who was from Maine who once told me that I make mountains out of mole holes, which I had never heard before. I, I grew up, it was a mole hill, but um, yeah. <laughs> she said, you make it's hard because you make mountains out of mole holes. I was like, what does that mean? Okay. Um, meaning I'm a bit of a perfectionist, but I prefer to, which I've dialed back quite a bit. And because I'm on, by the way, I'm on my own transformational journey, right? Meaning mm -hmm. sure, I always tell my are. clients, I'm in the one step ahead program. I just did yeah. that <laughs> one step ago. Yeah. Uh, so what I think, people would say is that I strive towards excellence. I'm very persistent in that. And I don't give up. Uh, I also got some feedback recently from somebody saying that I was very patient with her because that's also a skill that I learned is as a perfectionist, I see a lot of mistakes. Mm -hmm. And so I wrote a little sticky note for myself and on it, it says, we're all competent people making mistakes so yeah. that I can keep in the forefront of my mind that we're all competent and we all want to do the best that we can. Sure. And so that allows me to be more patient, but I have sure. a high standard of excellence for sure. No, that's good. Yeah. I had somebody on the podcast say that, you know, nobody really wakes up in the morning saying, ah, today I'm going to be a, a total mess up. Right? <laughs> right. Nobody does that. Nobody does that. No, no. We're all trying. Um, so what's next for you? You've accomplished a lot. What's next? Yeah. What's next for me is I am creating a digital course because I want to reach more people who private coaching tends to be on the more expensive side. And I want to get into a format that people can learn. I, so many people come to me and say, I don't even know how to start. Yeah. And so I'm creating a digital course to... Nice to launch that. I've got many more books in my head. Next one would be The Power of Giving. And okay, and then Future, Future Fantasy, 
future fantasy is I already own an RV and I'm going to be driving around the country going to the national parks and bluegrass festivals Excellent. using um, Zoom to keep in touch with my clients and a trip to Italy. That's perfect. That's my plan. That sounds great. That's awesome. I'm a, a digital nomad. I'm a roamer, so I know exactly where you're oh, at. Yeah. Love that. Yeah. Very cool. Good stuff. So this has been great. I really appreciate your time. If people want to get in touch with you, if they want to learn more about you, they want to order your books, how can they do that? What's your website? My website is lizwolfcoaching.com and wolf has an E. And it, just in case you didn't get the joke, yes, my last name is Wolf and I grew up on a sheep farm. Wolf's the name, sheep's the game. Mm. That was our tagline. So nice. lizwolfcoaching.com. There's lots of free resources on there. And I welcome anyone who wants to sign up for a 45-minute business strategy session. If you have an idea, if you say, you know what, I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur and you want to find out if you if I think it'll work, feel free to sign up for a free 45-minute session. And I would love to see you there. And there's also other great resources on the website. Awesome. Very cool. And you're um, active on LinkedIn, correct? I am on LinkedIn. Okay. And basically, if you look up Liz Wolf Coach, you'll find me. You'll find me. My books are on Amazon. You'll find me on um, Facebook, LinkedIn, the usual spots. Not TikTok yet. I did download it, but I'm not on it yet. Okay. Very cool. Well, I will make sure that those um, links are in the show notes, right? Great. For your website, also for your LinkedIn link. And I'm going to put the eucalyptus eucalyptus uh, <laughs> link out there so people can go and, and see because I thought that was great. Yeah. Very cool. Good stuff. Yeah. Well, Liz, this has been great. Thank you so much for taking time out to talk to us. Really appreciate uh, it. So much fun. Thank you so much. Yeah. Very good. All right, listeners, hope you guys are taking notes. Uh, definitely check out the website, check out LinkedIn, connect, um, and check out the ukulele stuff. That's pretty cool too. You were talking about how many ukuleles you have. I think I have eight guitars now. And oh, you're right. <laughs> you need one of each, right? So I know exactly what that's like. That's good. That's good. Well, I'm only only up to two guitars so far. So, oh, there's plenty of time. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot more out there. All right, listeners, hope you guys were uh, taking notes and enjoy this podcast. Share it with your family, friends, colleagues. Leave us a review, please, because those reviews help. And stick around because there's always more coming. That's it for me, Coach Harlan Singh. So long for now.